Let's open our Bibles to the book of Isaiah, 24, 25, 26, and 27, Lord willing. So let's turn to review, really. We have not gone through this verse by verse. We will tonight. I touched on this in a message two Sundays ago in chapter 24. And here I want to remind you that we have a division. Chapters 13 to 23 in the book of Isaiah deals with the judgment of nations. And it goes right down the list of who they are. And then it changes from the judgment of nations to now a single judgment that is yet future that is called the judgment of the tribulation. I mentioned when we got to this that it has at least 12 or 13 different names. I made a point of this on Sunday. It's called the tribulation, the great tribulation, because Jesus called it a time of great tribulation in Matthew 24. It's called the day of the Lord in Isaiah 2, the day of vengeance in Isaiah 38, the time of Jacob's trouble, Jeremiah 30, the 70th week of Daniel, Daniel 9, the time of the end, Daniel 12, the great day of the wrath of the Lamb, that would be Revelation 6, the hour of his judgment, Revelation 14, the end of this world, Matthew 13. Now tonight we're going to be in one, the indignation, chapter 26, verse 20, and we will do a little sidetrack when we get to chapter 26, verse 20, because there's a reference to the indignation, but it's really the, the tribulation. Uh, the overspreading of abomination, Daniel 9, the time of trouble such as never was, Daniel chapter 12, and Jesus repeats that in Matthew 24, saying that unless those days are shortened, then no flesh on this planet will be saved. So with that much of an introduction, let's just read it, and I'm going to come back and review some of the main reasons that this period of time has to come. It is yet future. Everything up to 23 is past tense. Beginning with this, this is um, yet future. Chapter 24, Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty. He makes it waste, distorts its surface, scatters abroad its inhabitants. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with the master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. In other words, no exceptions to the rule. The world is under judgment, and um, it's going to be equal across the board. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the law, changed the ordinance. This is a reference to the Antichrist where it's predicted he'll want to change the times and the seasons. They have broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth, and those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned. And this is an important verse here, and few men are left. Now, God did judge in the past. And Paul, in the New Testament, says that men will willfully forget that God brought judgment, and only eight people were saved. When the earth was highly populated. It was only Noah and his family that were saved. And even though there will be Bible studies like this saying this is coming, we need to be ready for it. Um, First Thessalonians 5, you're supposed to know the times and the seasons, so that day, referring to this day that we're talking about here, doesn't overtake you. Now, our whole, everything that's going on right now between now and November is uh, who's the front runner? And uh, who's dropping out, who's staying in, how much money they're spending. And every single time that this happens, when Obama did it eight years ago, uh, he ran under change. Everything's changed. Everything's going to change. Well, the fact of the matter is, uh, the scriptures, when, when it gets into Israel coming back into the land, Jesus says these, this time, is really now the beginning of sorrows. And it's sort of going to progress steadily onward and simply intensify as we get closer to the time of the end. But here, the, the, the Lord with a rainbow said, I'll never destroy the earth again by a flood. Um, Noah, I promise. I won't, it'll never be destroyed again, and it won't be. It says, this time, the inhabitants of the earth are burned. And so one of the judgments 
is a scorching, and who knows, it could be accomplished in many different ways, but it says few men are left. So men will be rare um, after the tribulation period. And we'll go to Revelation 6 in just a bit, but let's finish this off. It says the, the new wine fails, the, the vines languish, all the merry-hearted sigh. Mardi Gras is not going to be Mardi Gras during the tribulation period. Um, the myrrh of the tambourine ceases, the noise of jubilant ends, the joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song, or strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up so that no one can even enter in. There's crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The myrrh of the land is gone. In the city, desolation is left, and the gate is stricken with destruction. And when it shall be thus in the midst of the land among the people, it shall be like the shaking of of an olive tree, like the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. And the idea there is fruit, people, again, being very, very rare. Um, the, the vine where the grapes are picked will be rare, and the, and the vine of the olive trees will also be rare. They shall lift up their voice, they shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Therefore, glorify the Lord in the dawn light. In the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastlands of the sea. For all the ends of the earth we have heard songs. Glory to the righteous. But I said I am ruined, ruined. Woe to me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Indeed, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. And again, this is tying into the very first three and a half years of the tribulation period where promises were made by the Antichrist and then broken. And it's treachery. And um, the Jewish people will have been set up. And the very one that they are looking to right now to rebuild their temple, that's going to happen. Scriptures are clear that the uh, tribulation temple will be built. Sacrifices will be re-implemented. But it's a treacherous deal. And... um, Daniel 9, verse 27 clearly says, in the middle of the week, he makes a covenant for seven years, but in the middle, he breaks the deal. And it's treachery. We've been, I'm ruined, and they'll realize they've been duped. And the Lord goes out of his way in Matthew 24, talking about it, trying to give the disciples and you and I a heads up by saying, when you see it, and this will be, I'm sure what um, Moses and Elijah will be speaking to the crowds. There'll be 144,000 Jewish witnesses that'll be speaking what I'm speaking tonight, warning the people when it comes, where to go, what to do, how to do it. And, um, but it's going to take that breaking of the covenant and the Antichrist declaring himself to be God in the temple. That's all yet future. Could be sooner than, than we realize. So verse 17, uh, was, which is where we took our text when we studied on this a couple weeks ago. Fear in the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitants of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit, and he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in a snare. Uh, from the windows, from the higher open, and the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is exceedingly shaken, and the earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall totter like a hut. Its transgression will be heavy upon it, and it will fall, and it will not rise again. And I'll show you, we'll, I'll take you to Revelation and just show you how devastating this period of time is. It will come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of the exalted ones. I believe this is a reference, a couple of places. Um, Revelation 12, where war breaks out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought with the devil and his angels. And Michael was victorious, and the devil and his angels were cast to the earth. And we're going to get in depth 
on what I'm talking about right now on, on uh, Sunday morning. And uh, I'll get to that when we get to chapter 27. But when he says he's going to ex- punish the ones, the exalted ones on high, they first has to be cast out. And then we're told um, that they will be in Jude, um, shut up and sealed uh, for that great day of judgment. And um, demons are aware of it. They're totally aware that these things are going to happen. When Jesus was confronted with the man who was possessed with a legion of demons, his comment to Jesus when he saw Jesus was, you're Jesus of the Most High. Have you come to torment us before the time? Implying what? They knew that there was a time coming for them to be judged, and here we're reading about it here. And um, they begged to be cast into the swine, and for some reason the Lord allowed it. And uh, they ran down the side of that cliff, and they all drowned in the Sea of Galilee. And uh, my point is, uh, have you come to cast us into the abuso or the pit before the appointed time? So here we read in Isaiah during the tribulation that God is going to bring judgment against a spiritual realm and uh, their days are numbered. All right, verse 22, and they will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit. This is again, the book of Jude talks about this. They're there being reserved unto the judgment of that great day. You can look that one up. And will be shut up in the prison after many days will be punished. Well, um, we'll get to that in just a bit. Now, verse 23, we have a gap of time between the tribulation and the millennium. And I want you to pick up on this because it's going to happen several times tonight. Between one verse and the next verse, we're in the tribulation. But all of a sudden, in verse 23, now we're in the kingdom age. So... There's bad news and there's good news for this world. The bad news is the tribulation is coming. Nothing's going to stop it. The good news is there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And um, verse 23, the sun, the moon will be disgraced, the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously. Now, let's summarize this by doing a quick Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 6. I want to show you where it begins and where it ends. It begins in chapter 6, verse 1. Chapter 5 is the Lord taking the scroll out of the Father's hands. All of us that, that have been raptured are in heaven are um, praising the Lord, and we're, we, as we talked about last Sunday, the last point I made is that we have a new song that we are going to sing someday. We know the words, we don't yet know the melody. And that's first um, 9 and 10, and they sang a new song. Now, they sang only after they saw that the Lord is able to take the scroll out of the Father's hand, and now he begins to open the seal. So when you look at Revelation 6, verse 1, if you look at verse 17, it is one of the references I made to the great tribulation. And it's verse 17, for the great day of his wrath has come. That's one of the ways of saying the tribulation period. But when you open the first seal, this is the beginning now of the rider on the white horse. And he comes And it says he had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out to conquer and he conquered. So we have the Antichrist arriving. And by this time, um, the world's economy, we just had Gary Kaw here. Gary's been on top of this since he wrote his book in 1991, En Route to Global Occupation. And so this has been unfolding he was lieutenant governor uh, in Indiana. And as a Christian, just as he traveled, he saw the pieces falling together way back then. And um, um, Gary still travels and speaks. Matter of fact, I just got his newsletter today. And um, he's doing, 
doing well. I got a family picture of him and all of his, <laughs> his mom and dad and about 20 kids and grandkids. And, but this is the beginning of it here. And the end of it is you need to go to chapter 16. And by the time you get to chapter 16, we have the judgments being continually, what's a good way to put it, intensifying. We have the sealed judgments. Then we have what we call the trumpet judgments or the third judgments. I call them the thirds. During the third judgments, a third of the rivers are turned, um, they're not drinkable, a third of the ocean, a third of the grass, it's the third judgments. But by the time you get to the bowl judgments, uh, this is chapter 16, it begins with the first bowl, and we find out that the Lord pulls up pours out on the earth a fallen lonesome sore that came upon men and those who had the mark of the beast and those who worship his image. And um, that's the beginning of the end. So now when you get to 16 and we read these uh, judgments, um, the battle of Armageddon is the sixth bowl. So now we're getting right towards the end of the seven-year period of tribulation. And we find that the Euphrates comes into play, uh, the Euphrates River. Uh, demons are released at this point. And they go and they gather um, together. It says to make way for the kings of the east that they might be prepared. Well, who are the kings of the east? Boy, could I get sidetracked right now. China's nervous because of North Korea. And right now, even though it's not being talked about too much, we got this young kid who doesn't have a clue what's going on. He's, um, of course, developed um, a rocket system that can carry a nuclear bomb to our country. And it's making China nervous. Uh, and it's just one of the people in the East that is going to get involved in this war. And they have, they have the technology. I think China is in view here. Um, and then the interesting thing, as long as we're here, I, I always like to point out, it says, for the great day of, of God has come. These spirits actually go and stir up and bring, literally bring the people to the valley of Megiddo. But right before we read verse 16, we have red letters again. This is the first time there's red letters since chapters 1, 2, and 3. And all of a sudden, because that's letters to the church, where Jesus is speaking directly to the church. But all of a sudden you have these red letters, and it's almost pause, stop. I want to tell you something before I explain the Battle of Armageddon. And he just wants to remind you, and I tonight, Ash Wednesday, 2016, Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches, keeps his garment, lest he walk naked and he see his shame. And that's another way of saying, I'm going to keep my promise. 1 Thessalonians 5, I've not appointed you to wrath. Um, and chapter 5 of Thessalonians, is the whole chapter is about the, the day of the Lord, what we're reading about right here. But he says he hasn't appointed you to wrath. And then the last verse of chapter 5 says, Therefore comfort one another with these words. So with it, he says, you're not people that sh sh aren't getting it. You're, you're sons of light and of the day so that you can look out there from a um, biblical perspective and you can say, I get it. I know what's coming down. And therefore, because I know what's coming down and I can take comfort in, I know the signs, I know what to watch for. I understand things aren't going to get better. And as things unfold in the Middle East, we see that's all part of God's purpose and plan. And then once he has our attention with that admonishment, then right before the last judgment, it says, and he gathered them together in the Hebrew in a place called Armageddon. And that's where the nations of the world come. And uh, this is where Psalm 2 comes in, if you're taking notes. 
Psalm 2 says, why do the nations rage and plot this vain thing? I mean, fighting against the creator of the universe? It says, he who is in heaven will laugh and hold him in derision. And uh, talk about an exercise (laughs) in futility. Uh, We're going to fight against the creator of the universe. Well, that, that battle is over very, very quick. That's Revelation 19. Now, the last judgment, remember that what we just read in Isaiah, chapter 24, that the earth is broken, it is desolate, men are few, and the very last judgment that comes is that where there's a great earthquake, and um, we read uh, there was a great, the city was divided into three parts, and God uh, that he remembered Babylon, was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And then every island fled away, and the mountains are not found. Isaiah said the earth is going to be made desolate, it's going to be broke open, it's going to teeter back and forth like a drunkard. And then the final judgment, and hail from heaven fell upon men. Every hailstone about a weight of a talent, about 75 to 125 pounds. And that pretty much, um, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of hail, since the plague was exceedingly great. It's interesting to me in the law that if you blasphemed the creator, the punishment was stoning. And here now, one of the reasons uh, that we have the tribulation is a world that has rejected the gospel. Uh, They've blasphemed the creator. And um, at this time, we have the end of the seven-year period of time. So let's just look at it again. From chapter 6, verse 1, the beginning. You can mark it right there. Start counting. Three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days, times, times, and a half a time, however you want to say it, Three and a half years in, we have somebody dealing treacherously. Hey, you made a deal. We had a covenant, and the deal's broken. And after that, the Lord says, run. When you see the abomination of desolation, run, because now it's really going to get heavy. Now things are really going to become desolate, and men will be judged, and they will be rare upon the earth. Now, I'm going to use chapter 17 and 18 as an example for our study tonight when we we go back and look at chapters 26 and 27. Because chapter 17 is the judgment of a religious system that is a a one-world religion. The Bible says in the last verse of chapter 17, and the woman that that saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. When John wrote that, there was only one city that reigned over over the earth, and that's where the Caesars were. And that's where Paul died. And that would be Rome, the city of seven hills. So what we have in chapter 17 is a false religious system that is headquartered in Rome. And, um, but it's, it happens before chapter 16. In other words, chapter 17 and 18 is really just information given to us that the tribulation has already now come to an end and it's over. At this point, when you read 17 and 18, what it is is information that during this, this warning of this last three and a half years, chapter 18 is the judgment of Babylon, the economic empire of its time. And then in chapter 19, we have the second coming of the Lord, which he destroys those who come against him in the battle of Armageddon. So what it I want you to be able to wrap your heads around is 17 and 18, is, it's not chronologically in order. It happens before and during uh, this part of the Great Tribulation period. All right, we can go back now to chapter 24. And what we have in chapter 24 is a description of Revelation 6 through 16. It's a seven-year period of time, and it is yet future, and there's nothing that can stop it from happening. It's already past tense as far as the Lord is concerned. All right, now, 
25, 26, and 27 um, are all talking about, and we, we got sidetracked and, and, um, and talked about um, singing. It's something unique that we do as Christians and worship and how it's, it really does you know, satisfy the soul. And it really, uh, to have an object of our worship and our love. And um, the point that we made with these chapters in 25 and 26 is that the subtitle here is Israel's Praise for the Kingdom Blessing. They're singing a song because the Lord has come back victoriously. And um, he's riding on the white horse. He's king of kings. He's lord of lords. And he comes and he establishes uh, his, by, by defeating the enemies. And uh, as a result, um, we have verse one, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will praise your name, for you have done wondrous things. Your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. And we use that one verse on Sunday, we took this one, and then if you look at chapter 26, verse one, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. So the order here is the Lord is victorious, and so they sing a song. And um, I used one example of this happening when Moses, and the similarities between the plagues of Egypt and the plagues in the book of Revelation are so similar. Um, the, the darkness that fell upon the land of Egypt is also going to be a darkness, it says, that's going to fall upon the Antichrist and his kingdom. It even says it's a darkness that could be felt. Isn't that eerie? And um, we use that as when they were delivered and the Lord destroyed the Egyptians and the water came down upon them. It was a great victory for the Lord over the enemies of Israel. What did they do? Well, it took you to Exodus. We read the chapters where they sang the song of Moses. Even Miriam, Moses' sister, she had a tambourine out and she was dancing. And uh, there was joy because the Lord has reigned victoriously. There's so many pictures that we could uh, use as um, examples of what happens to a person when, when they're born again. Um, they, they come to Jesus by the blood of the Lamb. And it was the blood on, on the cross that forgave my sins. Well, that was the last plague that came upon Egypt. The blood had to be put on the door. And when you put it here, here, and here, it's interesting, it forms a cross. And when I see the blood, then I'll pass over. And that's where we get the terminology for Passover. All right, so you're saved by the blood. Well, then it says, we went and talked about the Philippian jailer, and when, when he got saved, um, you know, he, he got saved and his, him, he and his family were saved and then baptized. Well, and we have a picture of that with, with the Red Sea, Egypt going through the water and death occurring. So when we have a baptism, we actually explain it that way. We go to Romans chapter 6. It says um, that baptism is that acknowledging something died in the water. And again, the, the pictures that the Holy Spirit shows us, uh, this, they line up so perfectly with the Christian walk. So you get saved, you go through the water, you're baptized, something dies, the old life, in this case, Egypt. And then there's a temptation to go back. And as baby Christians, there's a murmuring and complaining as you learn to walk by faith and be satisfied with the things that the Lord gives you, the manna or the water. And uh, sometimes you think, you know, I miss those old things from the world back in Egypt, and I'm thinking about going back. And the enemy's always trying to get you to, to go back to the old ways. But they had to walk by faith during that whole 40-year time, and the Lord brought them in eventually to his promises. So the pictures there are off the chart, but let's, let's continue our verse by verse. 25, 26, and 27. Again, uh, these were 
our two texts for last Sunday, and uh, but let's read them because I, I want to be consistent with our verse-by-verse teaching. Verse 2, you have made a city a ruin, a fortified city a ruin, a place of foreigners to be a city no more. It'll never be rebuilt. Therefore, the strong people will glorify you, and the city of the terrible nations will, will fear you. For you have been a strength to the poor and a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, from the blast of the terrible ones in as a storm against the wall. You will reduce the noise of aliens as heat in a dry place, as heat in the shadow of a cloud and the song of the terrible ones will be Diminished. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of vines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of well refined wines on the lees, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over the people, and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. There will be no more sorrow, no more death, for the former things will be remembered no more. And and the Lord will wipe away every tear from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. Well, we can sure say that tonight. What are you doing? I'm busy. Busy doing what? Waiting. Waiting for what? That Dave, when he says, come on up here. It's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Doing our everyday thing. Just like it says in Matthew 24, some will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Uh, husband and wife in bed. Husband saved, wife isn't, or vice versa. One's taken, the other one's left. It's really going to happen. And then it's going to happen very, very quickly. And the last thing that Jesus says in all that is make sure you're watching. Make sure that you're ready. That that day doesn't overtake you like a thief. All right. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the mountain of the hand of the Lord will rest. Moab shall be trampled down under him. As straws trample down from a refuge heap. And he will spread out his hands in their midst. And he who swims spreads, as he who spreads out of his hands to swim, very poetic and pictures way of saying it, uh, he will bring down their pride together with their trickery of their hands, the fortress of the high fort of your walls. He will bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground down to the dust. So chapter 25, again, is a song of um, rejoicing, as a result of the Lord returning and establishing the kingdom. 26, the whole thing is called Israel's kingdom song. Just like there's a song of Moses, well, this is Israel's song. Then, again, I'm tying this into our victory song in Revelation chapter 5, where it says, we're in heaven, and we're going to sing a new song. And the words are already written out there. They can only be the church, and the church is in heaven again before Revelation 6. The church is in heaven in Revelation 5 singing this new song. doesn't mean that people won't get saved during the tribulation. They will. Again, it says, um, blindness has happened to Israel in part until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And they don't get it right now. The Lord has purposely allowed a blindness to cover them until some event takes place that causes their eyes to be opened. And the next verse says, and so all Israel will be saved. And um, nothing's going to shake up the earth like the rapture. I'm just thinking about it. And I know it sounds far out and strange, but I'll tell you what was even more far out and strange is this crazy old man who's building a boat out in the middle of nowhere and he's telling people it's going to rain. And it had never rained before. And he says, you crazy old man. It says he was faithful in his generation. 120 years. For 120 years he told people, judgment's coming. 
and they blew him off completely. You know how many people believed him? Nobody. <laughs> Zip, nada. Eight people got saved. I mean, Noah's kids had to go to church. He was a preacher, and they, they had to go. But they were the only ones that were saved. So it's just, it was just as strange to Noah's generation, who only did evil continually. And Noah was saying, the Lord told me to build the boat. There's only one way, only one door. Interesting, the, the typology there. Because what did Jesus say? There's only one way. And he says, I am the door. And when Noah was in the ark, it says, the Lord closed the door. And it's a picture of salvation. I could really get sidetracked here. I better not. But it came to rest on the 17th of Nisan, after five months of judgment. The only other place that you find five months of judgment is in Revelation chapter 9 where it says for five months we have these demons that torment men with such pain that they'll try to kill themselves and they won't. And it's another repeat of a five-month or 150-day period of time that we see happening again. Well, after judgment, they came back down on the 17th of Nisan. And you say, what's up with that? Well, the 14th of Nisan is what we would call Good Friday. Judgment was done on the 14th. Anything significant happened three days later? Yeah, we call it Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. The work is over, and we, we, you can enter now into his rest. Jesus died on a cross, the veil of the temple was ripped open, and now men can come boldly before the throne and find what? Rest. And so again, the pictures and the typologies that the Holy Spirit gives to us are so clear that something so unlikely to happen, rain, never rained before, and now we're talking about an event that I believe um, uh, the devil is preconditioning us because of technology today to be able to explain away the rapture. And he will be able to because they will believe the lie that will be told of what, what has happened. And it will bring about an instantaneous world government. And many people who call themselves Christians will find that they're still here. And so they feel that vacuum. And Revelation 17 says the headquarters is going to be in Rome. All right, that brings us to chapter 26. I've got to keep going. So all of 26 is, this is the song that will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bull marks. Open the gates that the righteous nations will keep the truth and they may enter in. I love this verse. <clears throat> I like the way the King James says it better, though. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. And again, I quoted this on Sunday, but <clears throat> again, it's just keeping your eyes on the Lord in the storm. I use the example of Peter on Sunday wanting to, to walk on the water because Jesus was. And he says, come on out, Peter, you can do it. He does. Until he takes his eyes off the Lord and puts it on the storm, and then he begins to sink. Again, a great analogy. Take your, you're in a storm and you can keep your eye on the storm and you can begin to sink. Or if you keep your eye on, on the Lord, you will be able to stay in perfect peace. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed because he trusts in you. And that you've got to believe that the Lord is on your side and that uh, he, the Lord is on your side. And... Uh, what encouragement that brings. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah, Yahweh, the Lord is an everlasting strength. For he brings down those who dwell on high, the lofty city, he lays it low. He lays it low to the ground, he brings it down to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. And the way of the just is uprightness, O most upright. You weigh the path of the just, yes, in the way of your judgments. O Lord, we have waited for you. O Lord, we have waited for you. 
Oh, Lord, we've waited. I can read that verse all night. We have waited for you. The desire of our soul is in your name and for the remembrance of you. With my soul, I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me, I will seek you early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the earth will learn righteousness. This is what is predicted. He's going to rule and reign with a rod of righteousness. He will enforce it. Let grace be shown to the wicked, yet he will not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. I believe this is talking about um, during the kingdom age where you're forced to do good. And um, in your heart, there's going to be some who really don't want to. They'll have their opportunity towards the end of that millennial time before eternity begins. It says, Lord, when your hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they will see and, and be ashamed for the envy of people. Yes, the fire of your enemies shall devour them. Lord, you shall establish peace for us, for you have also done all of our works in us. Interesting verse. Every good and perfect gift, where does it come from? Above. What credit can we take for it? None. (laughs) And uh, again, that's why the Lord says he chooses the foolish things of the earth to confound the wise. I can't figure it out. O Lord our God, our master besides you, have dominion over us. But by you only we make mention of your name. They are dead. Uh, They will not live. They are deceased. They will not rise. Therefore you have punished and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Again, going back, it's a song, but it's a song now going back to what the Lord did during the tribulation period. And he made all their memories to perish. Uh, You have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have expanded all the borders of the land. Lord, in trouble, they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastising was upon them. And I have a cross-reference here that says Hosea 5, verse 15. And um, I like the connection here, the cross-reference. Lord, in trouble, uh, they have visited you. They poured out a prayer when your chastisement was upon them. So the, the cross-reference here is Hosea 5, the, the last verse. It, the Lord says, I'm going to return to my place. He's talking to Israel. Until you admit your offense, your sin. But again, I've mentioned this often. It's singular, not plural. What was Israel's offense? What was their one sin? Where the Lord says, you're not going to see me again until you acknowledge that you blew it here. And here is a reference to them, one of the reasons for the great tribulation is that there's going to be a third of Israel that will be protected. And then at the end of that last three and a half years, they actually call upon the Lord. And then you have chapter 6, verse 1 of Hosea, where it says, come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn. He will heal us after two days. Huh, two days. One day with the Lord is a thousand years. One thousand years is a day. So it was 2,000 years, and uh, they enter in, that's a long it's been since Jesus has been here, 2,000 years. And it's during that time where it says, he will restore us after two days. And then the third day, we're going to live in his sight. So the third day is actually the 1,000-year millennial reign. Again, one day with the Lord is 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is a day. I like the cross-reference there that's in my Bible. As a woman with child is in pain and cries out of her pangs when she draws near the time of her delivery. Um, The Lord used the same analogy as birth pains. So we have been in your sight, O Lord. We have been 
with child, we have bed and pain. We have, as were, brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the, of the world fallen. Then these interesting couple of verses. Your dead shall live. Together with my dead body they shall rise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of the herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Um, I don't have time to get sidetracked with verse 19. It would take an hour to give the two possible explanations for this. I wanted instead, here's one of in verse 20 and 21, and the first verse of chapter 27 really should all go together, and I'll explain that in just a bit. It says, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation is past. When we started the Bible study tonight, and I read through the 12 or 13 different names, one of them was the indignation. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 20. So what we have here is, again, a song. It's talking about now a group of people who are called into their chambers for just a little time. And when you look over 6,000 years, seven years is not very long, is it? So just a little time. Until what? Until the indignation is passed. In other words, until the tribulation is passed, there's a group of people that have been called and put into your chambers, and they're to stay there. It says, for behold, the Lord comes out of his place. Again, going back to Hosea, where he says, I'm gonna return to my place until you guys, Israel, acknowledge that I'm your Messiah. And they do. They were broken, and they call upon the name of the Lord, and the Lord shows up. But I believe this is a reference to the church. And some people say, well, the church isn't in the Old Testament. It's all over the Old Testament. He'll be a light to the Gentiles. Many places it's quoted in the New Testament from the book of Isaiah that when Jesus comes, he'll be a light to the Gentiles and a reference to the church. For the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity and the earth will disclose her blood and no more cover his slain. Now I was reading McGee today in chapter 26 and 27. And I think he's right because he takes the view that verse one, which is gonna be our text on Sunday, should be the last verse and not the first verse. It should be the last verse of chapter 26 instead of the first verse of chapter 27. Now all scripture is spot on, without error. But when they came to put in the chapters divisions, I don't think they always got that part right. And um, in reading McGee, and he says, I don't want to be dogmatic about this. But he says, I personally feel that chapter 27, verse 1, should really be the last verse of chapter 26. Because it now narrows a judgment to Lucifer himself. And this is where we're going on Sunday. In that day, the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, that twisted serpent, and he will slay the reptile that is in the sea. And um, that is just a little teaser for Sunday. But there is now a gap between verse 1 and 2 because now we go into, we're leaving again the Lord's indignation his judgment, and we're back to the song, in that day sing to her. Well, remember verse one, this is called Israel's kingdom song. And remember when we were in Revelation and we went to 17 and 18, and I said, you gotta stop for a second and realize that 17 and 18, chronologically were before 16. Well, that's sort of what's happening here. We're, ha- we're talking about something that's happening during the tribulation, but I think the Holy Spirit is taking an event, the rapture, and, uh, which is before the tribulation, and they're told that it's before the tribulation. Hide yourself 
until this is over because the Lord's going to come out of his place and he's going to take care and judge this planet during that seven-year period of time. But where we're going to zero in on Sunday is the one who's responsible for all of it. And um, that is this one verse here where he's the devil, Lucifer, Satan, is called Leviathan, the twisted serpent. And um, that'll be where we're headed on Sunday. But let's finish chapter 27. In that day, sing to her a vineyard of red wine. Now, my cross-reference here was Isaiah 5. And when you go back, I won't have you turn there. But it's the Lord talking about his vineyard. Oh, how he loved his vineyard. Uh, He dug up around it. He fertilized it, took care of it, gave it the best of care, put up towers, put fences around it to protect it. But when it brought forth its grapes, they were wild grapes. And the Lord says, what more could I have done? And um, I did everything I possibly could. He's speaking to Israel. I called you out. I delivered you from bondage. I brought you into the promised land. What more could I do? But when I brought, when he got there, instead of thanking me, you became worse than the nations that were there. You were wild grapes. Now, in con- this is contrasting in verse 2 what he was expecting and didn't get uh, when Israel was eventually driven out of the land because of their idolatry. During the kingdom age, uh, it'll be good, red wine. I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and that he shall make peace with me. Those who come, he will cause to take root in Jacob. And Israel will blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Gang, right now, Israel is the fourth largest producer of fruit in the entire world a country the size of New Jersey, and that's today. And just less than 100 years ago, there was nothing there, no trees. Uh, They've completely replanted the trees, and they've grown in Israel. And you go there now, and there's places like Sakni and up in the the, um, Jezreel Valley. Um, Jaff oranges are known from around the world. They send tulips to Holland in the the wintertime. And during the kingdom age, it's even going to be more so. So, a good verse that would go on here now, when these things begin to happen, then look up, right? So, what do we see right now? Google it. Fourth, third or fourth in the world. Who has, who has the most fruit? And their technology and their, their irrigation is just off the charts. <clears throat> verse 7. Has he struck Israel as he struck those who struck him or has been slain according to the slaughter by those who were slain by him? In measure, by sending it away, you contended with it. He removes it by his rough wind in the day of the east wind. Therefore, by this, the iniquity of Jacob will be covered. And this is all the fruit of taking away his sin when he makes all the stones of the altar like chalk stones that are beaten to dust, when wooden images and incense altars do not stand up. Yet the fortified city will be desolate, the habitations forsaken and left like a wilderness. There the calf will feed, there will will it lie down and consume its branches. When its bough are withered, they will be broken off. The woman come and set them on fire, for it's a people of no understanding. Therefore, he who made them will not have mercy on them, and he who formed them will show them no favor. And it will come to pass in that day that the Lord will thresh from the channel of the river to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel." Cross-reference here is Isaiah 11, verse 11, if you're taking notes. 
And Isaiah 11, verse 11 says this. Then the Lord will gather Israel a second time. And so that there could be no doubt that we're not talking about bringing them back from the Babylonian captivity. He's talking about bringing them back after 70 AD and them being out of the land for almost 2,000 years. Isaiah 11, 11 says he's going to bring back the second time. And that's what we have in view here. And it will be in that day, uh, that, uh, let's see, um, they will be gathered one by one, all you children of Israel. The regathering is being forced upon the Jews in Europe right now as I speak. Um, Anti-Semitism is off the charts, especially in, in France. And um, many Russian Jews are making their way back to Israel. And we have this second regathering. So the last verse, so it will be in that day that the great trumpet will be blown. They will come who are about to perish in the land of Assyria. And they who are outcast in the land of Egypt. And they shall worship the Lord in a holy mountain at Jerusalem. Turn to Zechariah chapter 14 for our last verse. Zechariah. Second to the last chapter in the Old Testament before the book of Malachi. It's a reference to the land of Egypt being called to worship the Lord on his holy mountain. So, quick review. Chapter 13, Isaiah to 23. Judgment against the nations. Chapter 24, Judgment on the entire world, we call it the Great Tribulation. 25, 26, and 27 are really one unit talking about singing to the Lord, often reflecting back on what he's done, making reference to the, the um, desolation that happened during the Great Tribulation period. But then it ends in chapter 27, the last verse, speaking about Egypt, coming and worshiping, to the Lord. Let's pick it up. Um, verse oh, 16. It says, It will come to pass that everyone who is left of the nations. Well, what did we read in Isaiah? Men will be rare on the earth because of the great judgments of the great tribulation. And again, the Lord says, Unless he returns, nobody's going to be alive. It says, so those who are left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, now ending the tribulation, beginning the kingdom age, will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, of them that are, well, then they won't get any rain. Well, he says about his own people, he says, I'm going to make it flourish. That which was barren before, I'm going to make it fruitful. There'll be a lot of fruit. But if they don't come up, and he uses the example of Egypt in verse 18, let's say the family of Egypt will not come up to enter in, then they're not going to get any rain. And they'll receive the plagues which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Won't be the first time, right? He judged with plagues Egypt before. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. In that day, holiness to the Lord will be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house will be like bulls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. Everyone who sacrifices will come and take them and cook in them. And in that day, there shall be no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts. Isaiah 24, 25, 26, and 27, and half of you were thinking he'll never get through 27 tonight. Let's then pray. Lord, this is a lot to take in, but we see your pattern. We see how it dovetails so clearly with what's foretold from Revelation 6 to 16. And so, Lord, it helps us just prepare to be... Um, Thick-skinned and tender-hearted when it comes to things that are coming upon this earth, knowing that you have a plan. 
and that we can take comfort in the fact that it's going to get darker, but you have admonished us to make sure we're watching and waiting for you. So, Lord, as we close the Wednesday night Bible study tonight, we agree with Isaiah when he says, Lord, we're waiting for you. And pray that you would come. And as we see, Lord, the stage set in Israel back in the land, prospering once again, getting ready for you to call your church home and to begin the events that what we refer to as the last days. So thank you for this hour tonight. And we thank you, Lord, that our names are written in your book and we're part of your family. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen and amen.